Hey guys, welcome to the Hackexploit podcast. I know it's been a while since our last episode and for obvious reasons, as most of you know, I've been focusing most of my time on the videos and on the various other platforms, but I've got a lot of requests by you guys to actually keep this going and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, of course, uh, I've been pondering over the various ways we can improve upon it by having guests and discussing more open topics, you know, generally related to technology, not really focused on cybersecurity. Uh, and yeah, I thought why not keep the ball rolling and let me know what you guys think of these episodes. I'll be uploading them every week. So again, let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get started. So in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about the SIM port hack. Now, the uh, the prelude to this podcast was inspired, or really this podcast was inspired by a blog post I read, I think about a day ago, uh, you know, all in regards to the, pot, the SIM port hack. And it was an article on Medium. And uh, I will not be sharing the author's name, but I will share the link. And of course, the discretionary uh, permission to use this uh, will also be obtained. Uh, to sort of uh, spread awareness. But in any case, uh, I'm going to be reading a few excerpts from this article that really explains the port uh, hack and how this particular individual was affected by it. So, uh, you know, uh, just get cozy and uh, let's get started. So I'm just going to read uh, the title here. So the title is The Most Expensive Lesson of My Life, uh, Details of Sim Port Hack. All right. So that's pretty much the title. Uh, and I will leave the link to this article uh, in the podcast uh, notes or the podcast description and also on YouTube if you are watching this on YouTube. So let's get started. Um, so it starts off with the introduction and I'll go through that and we'll sort of branch off as we move along and I'll sort of give you a few tips here and there on various things you can do for your own personal security. So let's uh, get started. So uh, it starts off with I lost north of $100,000 last Wednesday. It evaporated over a 24-hour time span in a SIM port attack that drained my Coinbase account. It's been four days since the incident and I'm gutted. I have zero appetite. My sleep is restless. I'm awash in feelings of anxiety, remorse, and embarrassment. This was the single most expensive lesson of my life and I want to share my experience and lessons learned with as many people as possible. My goal is to increase awareness about these types of attacks and to motivate you to increase the security of your online identity. And that's partic the particular goal of this podcast or this podcast episode is to increase awareness of this attack and help you improve your online security before you get targeted by this attack. Now, a SIM port attack is, has been there for quite a while now. Of course, it's been um, getting popular uh, as we move along and I'll sort of get into this right now. So this, uh, these are the details of the attack. So you might be asking yourself, what exactly is a SIM port attack? In order to describe the attack, let's examine, uh, examine a typical online identity. The diagram below should look familiar to most people. So I'm just going to uh, read out to you the diagram. It's essentially a flow chart uh, or a chart that essentially explains how you, uh, you essentially uh, operate uh, in relation to your mobile device, your SIM card, your primary email account, and your other uh, websites or your other accounts that use your primary email account. So uh, let's get started with you. So you have a mobile device. It could be any device. It could be an iPhone, a Samsung device, whatever the case. You then have a SIM card, which ag again is uh, going to be your phone number. And your SIM card binds your phone number to your mobile device. All right. Now, your mobile device is now binded to your SIM card and your SIM card is binded to your mobile phone number. So that means you have already a good link there. 
and uh, you then create your primary email that could be with gmail or whatever it could be uh, with any pro hosting uh, email hosting provider and you then set up two-factor authentication with your mobile device and you know uh, concurrently your mobile number which is linked to your sim card all right and uh, you then use your primary email account to register on other sites like facebook um, like uh, let's think of like hackersploit.org and stuff like that and uh, then uh, most of us of course have the primary email account that is connected to a lot of other online accounts now most of us also have the, the same or use the same mobile number that can be used to recover your email and uh, you to recover your email and password for that particular account should you ever forget it so that is where two-factor authentication comes into play which uh, many people say is quite important and rightfully so however this new attack targets two-factor authentication in a very interesting way all right so let's talk about authorized sim porting now now authorized sim porting is the ability to port your sim card to another device and this is a service that mobile carriers provide to their customers now i'm not really sure how many mobile uh, carriers actually provide this directly or are able to change your number on the fly uh, uh, as far as where I live, I don't think that's possible. You have to actually physically get a new SIM card and you have to provide, you know, all the identity, uh, you know, information in regards to the identity. So you need an, uh, an, your ID card or your ID, uh, your ID identification card, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so essentially, it allows a customer to request their phone number be transferred to a new device. In most cases, this is a perfectly legitimate request. Obviously, uh, many people... Uh, lose their phones and they want to get their number back on their their new device um, and that's just one example so this happens when you upgrade to a new phone or you switch mobile carriers etc now a sim port attack is a malicious port performed by an unauthorized source which is the attacker so the attacker ports your sim card to a phone that they control the attacker then initiates the password reset flow on your email account a verification code is sent um, is sent from your email provider to your phone number which is then intercepted by the attacker as they now control your sim card so the, the diagram below outlines this attack step by step so what's happening here is your attacker uh, of course you have you and your attacker and so you, the attacker essentially uses the information uh, uses all your personal information to impersonate you and of course, to spoof your mobile provider, then they, they then request uh, you, uh, to essentially port your SIM card to a new device that they control, of course. And then um, they essentially begin the email password reset, uh, which essentially for, is for your primary email address so that they can hack all your other accounts. All right. So the attacker then receives the notification code and proceeds to, uh, to essentially reset your email, uh, your email, account, your account password, sorry. Um, and the attacker now controls your mobile device and your primary email uh, account. All right. Now, this all is linked to your uh, your carrier and, of course, your mobile number and their ability to perform social engineering and to get your carrier uh, to actually believe that they are the legitimate owner of that SIM card and to port it, and to port it into another SIM card. Um, so, again, once they initiate the SIM port request to your carrier, the carrier then uh, uh, essentially carries out the request uh, and uh, essentially, uh, essentially ports the, your your particular number to the attacker's device or the attacker's SIM card. So your SIM card now belongs to a device that the attacker controls, and then from the attacker's device, uh, that is used to again uh, intercept and attack your primary email account. 
So again, that is how the flow is and it generally follow, follows that flow there. Now I hope that is very, very clear. I'll explain it one more time. Um, so uh, your, the attacker essentially impersonates you and performs social engineering to get your carrier uh, to port the uh, your SIM card into this and, or your phone number into this. And then once they control your phone, phone number, they're able to essentially attack your main email. And of course, once they essentially initiate uh, the email password uh, reset, uh, they essentially are able to reset your password because they have uh, the mobile device or the mobile number that you use for two-factor authentication. All right, so once the attacker controls your primary email account, they begin to move laterally across your lucrative online services that you manage via that email address. So it could be bank accounts, social media accounts, etc. If they are terribly malicious, they can even lock you out of your own accounts with little recourse to reclaim them, uh, which is quite common. So if you do come across hackers that really have no mercy, they'll typically lock you out of your account and there isn't anything you can do about it. So uh, again, I'm just going to be reading from the article from time to time to sort of give you a bit of context here. Um, so again, it gives you a bit of a, the, uh, the author of this article, uh, who is the victim of this attack, uh, gives you a bit of an example as to the type of data that uh, a primary email address can contain, but we're not going to get into that. So he now gives a timeline of the events that essentially happened when he was uh, hacked or this port, uh, this import attack was essentially performed on him. So uh, let's get started with that. So with a better grasp on how such an attack is carried out and the scope of what's at stake, let's dive into the timeline of the specific attack. I want to paint a picture of how the attack was executed, how I experienced these events and what you can do differently to protect yourself should you experience similar symptoms. The timeline is broken out into four sections, what I experienced, the events as experienced from my point of view. If you encounter something similar, these are clear indicators that you're likely under attack. All right, what the attacker was doing, so the underlying tactics that the attacker used to work their way into my Coinbase account. My perceived threat level, threat level I attributed, I attributed to these events as they were happening and of course the threat level that I should have had in hindsight. Uh, so again, the, this is the structure here or the timeline and how it is broken down into four sections. All right, so now let's take a look at, the, uh, at actually what happened here. So it all starts off at 10 p.m. All right, so we'll get started with that right now. And of course, uh, I don't know whether you, I don't think you can see the diagram, but if you are reading this, with the article, you can, of course, take a look at this little image here. That is a fantastic timeline. So it takes place on Tuesday at 10 p.m. So the attacker ports my SIM card to a device they control. So his perception or my perception is uh, I am in bed. I'm looking at my calendar for the next day when I notice that my phone doesn't have any cellular, any, any cellular service. So this has never happened to me before, but I chalk it up as a blip in coverage, which is normal. I, I think that is pretty standard for anyone who experiences a bit of cellular outage. It's probably something with the signal. That's what many people would think. Uh, so let's proceed. So uh, it's still on Tuesday, 10 or 5 p.m. The attacker resets my Google account password. My two-factor authentication verification code is sent to their device, which is used to change my password. Soon after losing my cellular service, I received prompts on my device to log in to my Google account. This, this, seem, this seems odd, sorry, uh, but I assume it's associated to my loss in service. Now that's quite weird. Uh, 
you being asked to sign back into your Google uh, into your Google accounts is something very concerning, especially if that device is your primary device. So I thought the two issues were, uh, were, were coupled. All right. So I attempt to enter my password, but cannot successfully do so because it has been changed by the attacker, obviously. So uh, it's late. I decide to go to bed and deal with it in the morning. Now, uh, let's just uh, take a bit of a step back here and let's examine where things sort of went wrong. Now, at this point, uh, things could have been controlled relatively easily. And uh, of course, we already know that uh, it's very hard to deal with these things when they've just happened. So if you've just been hacked and your account has been, uh, your Google account has been essentially, uh, your the password for your Google account has been changed, uh, you're simply trying to understand what's happening and you, you really don't have an idea. You don't know whether or not your, cel your cellular service or your SIM card has been, has essentially been, uh, been cloned onto another device. Uh, however, uh, let's just carry on and let's examine it a little bit better. So again, at Tuesday to 10.50 p.m., the attacker initiates the password recovery flow on my Coinbase account. So it looks like they probably had performed a bit of research on the target because they directly went for a Coinbase account. Now, of course, I've spoken about, uh, you know, passive information gathering and OSINT and how useful that can be for attackers and what type of information one can gather, uh, you know, can, can gather about you from the internet. So that's another tip uh, is be very careful in what you disclose to the public. So, uh, so 10.50, I'm asleep. I have no idea that this has happened. And this is primarily what I would consider to be uh, being at the wrong place at the wrong time because you're essentially going to sleep and it's going to be a couple of hours before you get back up. And by that time, the attacker has done what he wanted to do and he's pretty much done. And, um, you, you know, you're left there wondering what the hell happened. All right, so uh, Tuesday, 10.51 p.m., Coinbase sends a password reset email to my email address. They, they delay the password reset link for 24 hours, so something interesting here. The attacker, now with complete control of my email address and the SIM card, intercepts the email, saves the password reset link, and deletes the message. When I finally regain access to my email account the next morning, I am completely unaware that this has happened. All right, so we're getting a bit of understanding as to what's going on here. So it's now Wednesday at 11 a.m., which is quite a while now since the attack. It's about 12 hours already. So while controlling my email account, the attacker deletes any password resets, uh, security incidents that uh, any password security reset emails that were sent, which is quite clever. So it tells you we're dealing with someone who has a bit of uh, an understanding as to what he was doing here. Um, so essentially gets rid of all the evidence that there was a password, that there were any particular password resets. So the next morning, I head to my local mobile carrier to figure out what's going on with my cellular service. The service associate states that something is wrong with my sim card and issues me a new one all right pretty weird um that is very weird uh, i'm not sure how they actually came to that conclusion but let's continue so i'm a little bit suspicious but i recently dropped uh, and cracked my phone so i assume something has happened to the phone or my sim card during that drop so again again this is just something that is coming to be uh, you know being at the wrong place at the wrong time and we're sort of getting an understanding as to what exactly has transpired right now. So again, he's, he's dropped his phone recently and he's thinking that it's linked to that particularly. However, the key thing here is the carrier is has just replaced his SIM card without you know really 
taking a look at what's happened to the old one. The old SIM card should have been inspected for any particular damage. And this is where I think carriers have to improve in regards to, you know, customer relations and, you know, customer security. But let's just proceed on. So it's Wednesday, 11.10 a.m., so just 10 minutes later. Uh, with my SIM card tied back to my mobile device, I'm able to use mobile two-factor authentication to reset the password on my primary email account. I'm simply happy to have cellular service and my email account restored. I have a busy day ahead of me, so I get back to work. All right, so this Wednesday uh, at 10 p.m., so uh, a lot of time has gone uh, without him actually realizing what's happened here. So uh, the attacker ports my SIM again to another device at the control. All right, so we definitely have a motivated attacker here. About the same time as the previous night, I noticed a similar drop in cellular service. Annoyed, I believe that I received a, malfunct a malfunctioning SIM card. Similar pop-ups uh, about being logged out of my email account begin to appear. I chalk it up to the same issue as the night prior and decide to deal with it in the morning. All right, so at this point, uh, something this should have raised a few alarms here and uh, I'll, I'll explain why uh, firstly sim cards don't malfunction in that way if you are having poor coverage the sim card simply doesn't work and your device is able to to actually recognize that i'm not sure if you've actually taken a look at damaged sim cards they simply do not work they don't work 50 percent and then work uh, the other 50 percent so that should be a bit of a, a warning there or sort of a red flag However, uh, the person is again prompted or logged out of their primary email account, which is now getting really, really annoying or, uh, you know, which is getting really, really serious. And it's something that you should be aware of or you should take seriously. Now, one thing that we realize is the attacker is following a very, very well set out structure to his hacks. And again, he's following the same structure he did on the previous night. So, He's sort of building a pattern and seeing whether the user trusts this pattern. So what's happening is he executes a hack and the user goes on, you know, he's unsuspecting of anything, goes and gets a new SIM card and then repeats the same thing. However, the user at this point might be, uh, might be a bit curious as to why he's experiencing the same error with a new SIM card. So again, this may also tie into the fact that he dropped his phone, but there are a lot of things and, you know, who knows, uh, many people have stressful jobs and this might be something that they just overlook. In any case, uh, let's head uh, or move along onto the next a bit on the timeline, which is uh, Wednesday, 10.01 p.m. So looks like he falls asleep at 10 p.m., which uh, the attacker has also taken into consideration. So the attacker resets my email account, uh, my email account password yet again. The attacker then completes the Coinbase password reset flow using the link uh, the link provided the night before, which is quite smart. Uh, and then on Wednesday 10, uh, 10, 10 p.m., uh, we can see that the attacker drains my Coinbase wallets. Attacker also makes multiple buy orders using my account and sweeps those funds. He's still uh, fast asleep. Uh, so it is Thursday at 9 a.m. Uh, I head back to my local carrier. Uh, the service representative has issues unlock, uh, unlocking my mobile account. My PIN no longer works. All right, so this is now where things get uh, really, really uh, tricky and hazy. When your SIM no longer works, that pretty much means that the SIM card is inactive as far as I know. However, let's just continue on. So he then asks if I was in Nevada yesterday, to which I respond no. His eyes light up, beginning to think it's fraud. All right, so, you know, two or three days into it, 
uh, the representative now you know suddenly decides that it is fraud and uh, i attempt to access my coinbase account on my mobile device my session is no longer valid so that means it's been logged out or its authentication is invalid i begin to think the worst while holding out the hope for the best all right now at this point we pretty much know what's happened here and uh, what looks to have happened is uh, a very very coordinated attack and more of which can be uh, sort of explained as we move along. However, at on Thursday, 11.13 a.m., uh, Coinbase customer support confirms that the, a user was able to gain access to uh, my account the night prior and has swept all funds to an on-chain address outside of Coinbase. All right, so uh, that's pretty much it in regards to the timeline. And uh, we then move on to the lessons learned and recommendations. Uh, which we'll get to in a second if you are dealing with crypto however general security practices also something we want to discuss now uh, let's actually just proceed on with this and i'll explain why so the lessons learned so this was the single most expensive lesson of my life obviously a hundred thousand dollars is an extremely um, enormous amount of money to lose in one night um, so i lost a meaningful percentage of net worth in 24-hour period irreversibly um, Below are a few pieces of advice I would encourage others to use uh, to better protect themselves. A, use a hardware wallet to secure your crypto. So again, many people do this already. It's uh, for anyone who deals with crypto, as I'm sure many of you on the channel do, having a hardware wallet essentially makes sure that your funds are safe uh, while you have, when, when you have no, uh, you know, particular, um, when, when you really don't have any use for them in the, new the near future. It's sort of like a vault and they are usually kept offline uh, with the hardware wallet. So again, um, use a hardware wallet to secure your crypto. Move your crypto to a hardware wallet or offline storage, which is which is what I recommend. Uh, so when you are not transacting, that's what I was get, getting to in a second. So, you know, they are, they are mostly useful when you simply want to store them and you're not going to, you know, use them for a while and essentially just locking them up in a vault here. Um, so do not leave funds idle on, on exchanges or fiat on ramps. Um, so I treated Coinbase like a bank account and you have absolutely zero re recourse in the case of an attack. Uh, I knew the risks better than most, but never thought something like this could happen to me. And this is uh, another symptom that many people face is the symptom of I never thought this will ever happen to me. And the fact that, you know, many people think that things like this just aren't going to happen to them which is absolute nonsense. You know, if you are not secure, this is primarily what happens. And I don't really blame, uh, I don't really blame the individual uh, because uh, he had enabled two-factor authentication and assumed that his, uh, that, that was enough security. Rightfully, it was, and the main uh, point of failure here was his carrier actually performing the SIM port uh, for the attacker. So again, I can't really blame him, but uh, of course, he could have taken action much earlier and prevented his funds from being lost. Um, he could, maybe, he pretty much would not have been able to prevent uh, his uh, his primary email from getting hacked. But uh, there you are. So again, uh, the second piece of advice here is MS, uh, SMS-based two-factor authentication is not enough. Uh, regardless of assets and uh, or identities you are trying to protect online, upgrade to hardware-based security i.e something physical that an attacker would have to physically obtain in order to perform an attack uh, while google authenticator which i'll get to in a second and authy can turn your mobile device into a piece of hardware-based security i would advise going a step further 
pick up a YubiKey that you physically control and cannot be spoofed. So this is quite interesting and that's why Google created the Google Authenticator which I personally recommend and many uh, exchanges that I know and one that I'm working on which is Numex Exchange does have uh, the Google Authenticator option which essentially means you really cannot port any any type of, uh, regardless of whether you port it, the Authenticator is going to be the primary piece of, uh, of software here that controls uh, whether or not you can access that particular exchange or that platform. So again, make sure you also increase your two-factor authentication and also in include you, you know tools like Google Authenticator and Authy. Uh, we then have the third piece of advice, which is I already mentioned, which is reducing your online footprint, which is essentially uh, you know to reduce the urge to needlessly share your personal identifiable information. So you know your birth date, location pictures, with geolocation data. All that stuff. So again, it's all about the amount of info you put out there. And many people really just go ahead and release everything into the world, which, you know, is what happens, uh, you know, in this particular case is where there is identity theft, where someone can literally impersonate you, where they can get your ID number and people just, you know, reveal that online, which is really weird or reveal it over emails or over documents. Uh, you know, unencrypted communication and all of this stuff all leads to what we get now, which is a basic form of identity theft, which is what happened, you know, during the port, uh, during the SIM port here. And uh, there you go. So uh, that's what hackers, you know, that's what they they, they live for. Um, so let's take a look at um, the other piece of advice here, which yeah, we are pretty much getting to the end of this all. Uh, which is Google Voice 2FA, uh, which is Google Voice two-factor authentication, which I think is okay. Although, uh, again, you're simply adding more layers of security, which is a, a good thing. So in some cases, an online service will not let you support hardware-based ba 2FA, which is which is okay. I, I get that not many websites actually allow you to use Google Authenticator, which is weird. They rely on weaker SMS-based uh, two-factor authentication. So in these cases, you might be better off created, uh, creating a Google Voice phone number, which again cannot be SIM ported, and using this as your two-factor authentication recovery number. I won't go as, as far as, as that. A Google Authenticator is, is pretty good, but if you are in a position where the, a platform or website does not offer that functionality, then again, you can use Google Voice 2FA. And, and uh, we move on to the last piece of advice here, which is creating a secondary email address so instead of binding everything to a single email address, create a secondary address for your critical online identities, bank accounts, social media accounts, crypto exchanges, etc. And do not disclose this to the public. So do not register or use it to register on sites that are known to actually uh, to actually disclose, disclose this information, whether they do it purposely or not. So, you know, uh, emails are very, very uh, easily found by performing uh, various Google Docs or by using tools like the Harvester. And the, the disclosure of these particular emails is because many websites actually reveal this, you know, for contact information, all that stuff. So uh, that's something to take into consideration, essentially creating a private, separate, secondary email address for all your critical accounts like your bank accounts, uh, your, your crypto exchanges, etc. And uh, we move on to the last uh, piece of advice, which is an offline password manager. So use a password manager for your passwords, even better, use an offline password manager like Password Store, or what I recommend, which is KeePass. I really recommend using KeePass. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that this blog post covers. 
and um, uh, we do have a bit of an ending here or uh, sort, of, sort of like a, uh, a last comments from the author. So uh, given my naive security practices, I probably deserve to get hacked. I get it. It doesn't make it hurt any less and passing judgment dilutes the thrust of the story, which is to let others know how easy it is to be victimized, of course, and to start uh, to use that knowledge and the recommendations above to prioritize the security of your online identity. All right, and that is pretty much it. Uh, this was on Medium under the CoinMonks category, which you can check out. I will be linking the link to this uh, post. And of course, this podcast episode will be released uh, with permission from the author. And uh, yeah, if you are listening to this, then you already know it's been done. And uh, let's close in over there and let's talk about what actually happened and what could have been done. Now, of course, uh, as we were going through it, I, I mentioned that the main uh, point of failure here was the carrier actually porting that particular SIM. And, uh, you know, providing this service is something that I understand is done for convenience uh, to its customers. And that's what, uh, you know, companies are trying to do. They're all trying to make it easier for their customers, trying to enhance their products, make them better. But, you know, with the incorporation of these new features, that involve critical uh, pieces of information like the identity uh, of a particular user, which can really easily be found. You know, uh, you know, if users are uh, for some reason have their data out on the internet and is publicly available, then this then identities can be stolen, and uh, we can see many of these carrier-based attacks being performed. And one of them, as I've just explained, is the port, is the SIM port attack, which I think is is extremely interesting, and we, we have already. Uh, we, we have heard of this attack for, you know, about four or five years now, and it's getting really popular again. One can see why. Once carriers get lax on security, especially, especially when it comes down to services like uh, like the uh, the SIM ports, uh, we, we, I get it, they're, they're trying to provide an essential service. But with that, they should take the necessary precaution to make sure it really is their customer who is performing this particular SIM port and to uh, to actually look at the time in which it's being done. Someone's doing something at 10 p.m. That might be or might give you an idea as to, hey, you know, we should look into this. We should ask them for additional pieces of information or whether they can take a picture with their, with their ID card or whether they can upload a picture of the ID card, you know, stuff like that, something that would essentially stop the attacker there. If that would have been done, we wouldn't have actually experienced this attack. Uh, however, uh, the the victim also has a, a, a part to play in this, mostly because on the first night, only his email was hacked. And we can obviously see that the hacker was attacking their, con their, their Coinbase account uh, because that is where they went to directly. And, you know, crypto is, uh, because of its anonymous nature, uh, it is becoming very, very, very uh, lucrative and sort of enticing for attackers, mainly because they can steal money uh, and, you know, nothing much can be done about it, you know? Uh, you know, because of its anonymous nature, no one can really find out once they've performed the necessary, um, once they've taken the necessary actions of tumbling or all, all that stuff, I'm not going to get into it, probably explain that in a later video. Once they've done all of that, uh, no one really knows where the money has gone. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the attacker could be in any other, any country. And it looks like he's protected himself quite well. And he knew what he was getting into and what his target was. 
he wasn't really targeting Facebook accounts. He uh, performed his research on this particular victim and, of course, found that they had a an account on Coinbase. And uh, I think that there might have been a little bit more information in regards to the amount that he had on Coinbase. And that's coming to the other bit of advice here when dealing with crypto. Uh, when you have a, a lot of crypto or a crypto that's uh, that's really valuable or has a lot of value and you're really not transacting with it on a day-to-day -day basis or you're not trading frequently, move it to a cold storage or a hardware wallet, which are becoming quite popular. Of course, I know they do cost quite a bit, uh, but they're worth it if you are into cryptocurrency. And I think it's something that we'll be seeing in the future as we move along, uh, probably as legislation gets uh, gets better uh, you know, the, similar to the wallet you have right now, um, many many people would also be, be getting hardware wallets and storing their crypto on it. Uh, far from the dream that uh, the cryptocurrency had and what it promised in regards to an online currency. Uh, however, these are the security threats that many people face. And many people thought it was to do with, um, you know, fiat currency being really, really... Um, really, really poor and uh, transactions taking a long time. All the various disadvantages that have been pointed out so blatantly over the last um, over the last few years, uh, you know, with the rise of cryptocurrency. Uh, the great thing about fiat is transfers. If someone hacks your bank account um, and they try and transfer money, uh, it isn't anonymous. And so they know what accounts that money is going into. And, you know, furthermore, they can track you and they can get your money back. And that's why uh, the banking system is still preferred because there is accountability for transactions and transactions can be monitored along the way and they're updated. And that's primarily why it takes such a long time. Uh, so that's why I, I uh, as much as we would like to hate banks for their online banking platforms and their security, uh, many people or not uh, a lot of people lose money from that. M most of the attacks are done on credit cards and that's because transactions can be authorized really easily. However, those transactions, if stopped or if the card is cancelled, can be reverted also quite easily. So um, I'm not really going to bash on crypto in this particular case. I believe it has a lot. Uh, there is a lot to be done about its um, its legislation and how it's going to be used uh, and all the all of that good stuff in regards to you know accountability. Uh, when transferring large amounts of cryptocurrency, I think that that's when it becomes meaningful rather than, you know, having accountability. Uh, however, that is going to contradict uh, one of its main features that it has to offer, which is uh, the whole ability of being, uh, the whole idea of being anonymous with your transactions. Um, but again, cryptocurrency has been misunderstood for quite a few years now. Many people have been using it as a store of value. And of course, with the hopes or the aims that the price will increase, and over the last few weeks, we've seen the recent increase of Bitcoin and Ethereum also spark uh, or spark an interest, uh, spark or sort of resurrect the interest in crypto again. And uh, possibly we could see another mining uh, spree uh, set out again. And uh, for those of you gamers who actually, uh, you know, build computers, that'll be something that'll be really worrying to you because, you know, graphics card, uh, graphic cards were, were just getting cheaper and now if uh, mining does come back uh, that's something that's again just going to mess with the market but uh, that's primarily all that I wanted to sort of go through in this podcast uh, and um, the content covered within the article was pretty extensive uh, you know kudos to the author 
Um, I'm, I don't know if I'll fo follow this format. I'll try and uh, have, um, you know, different types of topics that I'll be going through on these podcast episodes. But of course, I'm open to feedback. Uh, so let me know what you guys think. And uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all that we're going to be taking a look at in this podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please share this podcast. And yeah, I'll be seeing you in the next episode.